1: Hello and welcome back, dear listener. This is the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast. We're up to episode 243, if you can believe it. I, of course, am Trevor the Iron Fist. With me nearly as always these days is Scott the Velvet Glove, all the way via Skype from regional Queensland. Scott, how are you?
2: G'day, Trevor. G'day, Paul. How are you all?
1: All good, and also with me, of course, Paul the Twelfth Man here in the leafy western suburbs of Brisbane. Hi Trevor, hi Scott, hello listeners. And a special guest that we have for you, if you're watching on the live stream, you'd see him uh, in the corner there, bottom left-hand corner, Frank Jordan from, uh, well... West End. West End, yes, (laughs) Brisbane boy. Frank's joining us as our fourth uh, panellist and... Frank uh, is a candidate in the upcoming uh, Lord Mayoral race for Brisbane. So, That's right. So we're going to talk to Frank, dear listener,
3: about uh, his plans for our fair city and a bit of his life story and other things. <laughs> and we'll see how we go. Um, after that, we'll
1: talk about our normal current affairs and, um, and other stuff, coronavirus, share market crashes, um, crazy things that are going on in the world. We'll, we'll get to them. Potentially, depends what happens. So, well, Frank, um, you're a candidate for the Lord Mayor of Brisbane. Um, let's get some acknowledgements out. Like, we were all members of the Secular Party, and we know Frank from that. So, yes, that's right. we met many
3: years ago in a little library room at Brisbane City Council, and we'd sit around solving the problems <laughs> of the world, much like we are right now and continue to do. Um, it's great meeting in a library. Yeah. So, Frank, um, what, 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 why? Why would you run for figure, mayor? Yes,
4: uh, it, it's basically because it's, it's it's a social justice issue. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends are, are living in fear. They they use cannabis as a medicine, mm-hmm. and I, I think there's at least a million people in Australia that are doing that. Mm-hmm. And they're in fear of of having a you know armed police and vicious dogs knocking on their door any time of the night and day. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to have. Uh, Oh, there' be financial penalties, they might have to go to jail, their friends uh, social stigma, and I think that's just so unfair. Right. People should have access to medicine. and I ran as a candidate for the hemp party, uh, mainly because I don't actually use cannabis, um, and they have a lot of, they had a bit of trouble getting candidates because they get harassed by the police. If they actually use cannabis, oh, right? Yep. And as a
1: clean skin, I could stand and and not
4: worry. So, when you say they get harassed,
1: you mean the police are searching them or something? Or what, come, what, around, what?
4: come around if they if they actually using cannabis as medicine, yes. uh, the police will come around and confiscate the medicine and charge them with possession.
1: Right. And have they come around to your place, sort of looking to see if you are using it, or are they have you felt any harassment at all? Ah, uh, no, no. Because um, I, I, I'm
4: pretty well known for my. Non-use of waste
1: right. drugs, right? Yep. And you've got a friend who's particularly suffering, is that right?
4: Oh yes, yeah. uh, Deb Lynch, the president of the Medical Cannabis Users Group of Australia. Um, she had, she was raided. She had to go to court. She, uh, they were going to say she's a criminal. Um, she's been fighting that court case for at least a year now, mm. and she's quite ill. She, she might even she's might even eventually die from her illness. And it's just shockingly cruel Mm. to make her go to court to defend herself. Mm. And if she loses, she'll be punished. It's just not right.
1: Mm. Heart of gold, Frank. So one of – well, we're going to go through your policies. Um, You've got about half a dozen of them there. But uh, number one policy, when I looked through your Facebook page, was Uh (laughs) (laughs) policy number one, open a medical cannabis clinic in City Hall. And you say here, I will open a medical medical cannabis clinic in City Hall and council will have its own cannabis farm to provide affordable prescriptions. Unfortunately, patients are still banned from growing their own plants, forcing them to buy horrendously expensive corporate products. Without affordable and accessible medical cannabis, the government will just keep spending millions of taxpayer dollars to build bigger prisons and lock up the sick and the vulnerable. I suspect this would be the first um, council... Cannabis farm to ever operate in the world, or am I wrong on that oh, one,
4: Frank? Uh, There might be some uh, in other countries, mm. um, but yeah, in Australia it'll be the first one. There are cannabis farms at this very moment, mm. but um, the the legalities are just uh, really—it's really difficult to do, and you have to be a corporation basically, mm-hmm. and ordinary people, ordinary people can't grow cannabis, um, and it's very difficult to get medical cannabis, uh, you can get it for certain medical conditions, but you then have to buy uh, the approved form for that condition. Say mm-hmm. for ep- uh, if you've got epilepsy, there's a TGA-approved cannabis extract, not the whole plant thing, for that uh, disease, mm-hmm. and or condition, sorry, and you'd be looking at about $26,000 a year for that. Wow. And what... You know, what person can afford? If you're sick, you probably don't have a job anyway, mm. um, and you might even be homeless. Yep. There's there's no way you can afford that. And yep. when I was standing for the hemp party, one a, a person with uh, multiple sclerosis, you know, shook my hand and said, "Great that you're standing," because he was he had actually gone through the horrendous amount of paperwork to get a legal prescription, mm-hmm. but he couldn't afford it. Yep. So he then had to grow his own, and then he was. Uh, arrested for that yes. and, and convicted. Um, it's just just so, so sad. So if the council, as a corporation, it can have its own farm, mm-hmm. it can provide the cannabis at a nearly cost price, it'll be great. And the the, the council used to have a, an immunisation clinic in City Hall. Yep. So they've had medical stuff there before. It's not really yep. that
3: hard. I joked with you earlier... <laughs> before the other guys, well, before we hooked up on Skype and before Paul arrived, and I said, I'd made some joke with you, digging you about your crackpot ideas and something like that. And, and, and you made a reference to how you'd gone in the state party. So you ran
1: in the federal election the federal for the election. Senate. Yes. How'd you go? And as a hemp party candidate. Yeah, there
4: were, there were two of us, and we got over 50,000 votes. Mm. Um, that's a, a, an eighth of a Senate quota. And after preferences, it was uh, a quarter of a senate quota um, so it's a very important there's a lot of people that are really concerned about this issue mm. and, and and the the problem is none of the political parties um, have got it as an issue mm. they're all really scared um, mm. to do anything about it um, yeah so the the important thing for me is that that people need to stand up and run on that that issue and a few other ones, mm-hmm. and then the, then society will change. The politicians that don't take it up as an issue will get kicked out.
1: Yep. So before we <coughs> get on to some of your other policies, mm-hmm. let's find out a little bit, a bit, a bit more <laughs> about
3: Nan <laughs> man, Frank <laughs> Jordan. So um, um, you've, had, you've got a refugee story for me, you said? Oh, or, yeah. Or a, my,
4: my, my father was a, a refugee... Um, he came to Australia as a refugee. He was a Polish peasant, a teenager when the, the Germans and the Russians invaded Poland. He was in the German-controlled part, and eventually they took him to be a, a slave in a Nazi labor camp in Germany. Right. So, yeah. and uh, after the war, he couldn't go back to Poland because it was controlled by communists, mm-hmm. and uh, they 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 had a. Uh, policy, if anybody had been to the west needed to to be wiped out before they infected the the people in the behind the iron curtain, so right. if he 'd gone back, he would have been killed
3: right, so, so he came to australia right here and you were uh, you were born here
4: I was born yes. here yes, in my first and, home in Brisbane was a tent in the the Wake Migrant Centre. Right. I feel like, yeah, That's like as a,
3: Brisbane as you can get.
4: Yeah, and, little, <laughs> and also, it was almost a refugee camp, so yeah, yeah.
1: wow. Yeah. And um, so, you know, clearly based on your first policy, you're some sort of crazy radical left sort of character. Oh. Or, or I'm a merciful person, yes.
3: Trevor. <laughs> uh, well, um, how many sort of groups and parties have you been in? Do you want to say or not, or, uh, or, or, or whatever you're comfortable in saying?
4: Uh, no, it's, all I'll say is that there, yeah, um, I'm a, uh, I'm a rational thinker, yes. so I, I get into a lot of trouble yes. because I work things out, look at the evidence, and come to a conclusion. Yes, and that just gets you in a heap of trouble. Yeah, I made I made a comment about Bettina Arndt, mm-hmm. and. My goodness, I got into a lot of trouble for that. Yeah.
1: You know, I was talking uh, earlier about how our little group that met at uh, in the City Hall uh, library, yeah. and just amongst that group, it was a really interesting group of people who would go with the left side, the right side. It just depended on where the facts lay, and what was. We just didn't have a fixed bent. We were prepared to. Um, look at things quite dispassionately and... That's uh, exactly we what attracted me to the yeah, group. Yeah, it was yeah. a really good group. And, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. And it's, your experience, yeah, yeah, is... You've obviously got lots
3: of sympathies with the left side of politics, but you're...
1: Oh, no,
4: you, I but you're prepared
3: sympathy. to open your mouth and say, well, hang on a minute, it only goes so far on this no. particular issue, and, and then... Look, yeah. like, I
4: have sympathies yeah. with, with both sides. Yes. Like, I, I was one of the few people that organised an anti-Russian... Yes. Demo. Yes. When Bielki Peterson
1: was in power, an anti-Russian demonstration. Demo. Yes. Why Russia? Yeah.
4: Oh, they had political. Some of the people I was oh. writing to had friends in Russia that were political oh, prisoners. Too. Right. Mm. So, and that but, got uh, me into a lot of trouble with my my lefty friends because I was I su- supporting American imperialism. Uh,
1: was that was that in the days when it was hard to get a permit to protest? Did you have to get a permit, or? Oh or yeah, you had to get a permit. I didn't right. bother, but. Um, oh, right. Okay. But you didn't get into trouble for that because you were protesting the Russians,
3: (laughs) so I would have been quite happy with that.
4: The political police uh, were
3: were just totally blindsided. (laughs) (laughs) Right, but you got into all sorts of trouble with your leftist Marxist friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Oh, well, the Marxist friends, some of them weren't friends. Some of them would say, look, after the revolution... Comrade. Comrade, after the revolution, I'm personally going to put you up against the wall and shoot you. So, yeah, I'm... I'm, uh, yeah, if, you yeah. think, if you think for yourself and look yeah. at the evidence, you get into trouble from everybody. Yeah. It's true. Now,
0: if you do get... Sorry. At least you get into trouble with some people. Yeah. Because, I mean, let's face it, most people tend to be tribal in their political loyalties. Yeah, that's right. It is tribal. And if fair. you deviate from the tribal position, you cop yep. it. Yeah. That's right. And that's what I liked about our meeting that yeah. we used to attend in the... Uh, in the Secular Party at Brisbane Library because, you know, we could, we could take positions based on, as you say, a rational position, a yeah. rational assessment of the facts rather than trying to please the left or please the right or please whoever. Mm. Yeah, and
4: people disagreed with me. Mm. Well,
0: oh and That's God. why I tend to sort of say I'm, I'm not going with the left or the right. I'm just following what I think is a rational position. Mm.
3: Yeah,
1: um, Scott, I'm conscious that because you're on Skype, it's hard for you to chip in. Did you want to chip in with anything or I'll just keep going at this stage?
2: No, you can keep okay. going. That's no problem at all.
1: Yep. Now, uh, we'll, we'll intermingle our, our examination of your life, Frank, with just an examination <laughs> of some of your policies. <laughs> okay. And be
4: so much trouble. Let's, let's move
1: on to policy number two. Policy but before, number two. But before we do, uh, so this I've taken from your Facebook page yes. where you had policy number one, policy number two, policy number three. Are these ruffling in the order of importance as you see them?
4: Uh, well, they're all they're all important, but I've, the, the ones I'm personally interested in are the, interested in most are the first three because sure. I think they will make the most difference. Okay.
1: Policy number two: build a council-owned electric vehicle factory.
4: Yeah, everybody's uh, sort of thinking about coal. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about oil, mm-hmm. and uh, it's very easy to build electric cars. Mm-hmm. They're not that that hard you know you look under the bonnet of a, a bonnet of a of a petrol car and there's right. carburetters and all sorts of weird things in there which you mm-hmm. don't need for an electric car yes and it'd be a lot cheaper to build as well and there's no, nothing to stop the council from starting a factory right and i'm pretty sure they'll make a heap of money as mm-hmm. well
1: i think the buses are made locally I yeah buses council... yeah i've seen the signs on the buses
4: that they're, they're made locally hmm.
1: maybe they could start with
4: an electric bus Oh, look... The, um, is that
1: more difficult, is it?
4: I did talk to one of the people in the transport department about buses, and right. it's a complicated area. Oh, it's not area. So simple. Right. No, but it's... An it,
3: electric car is simple, but an electric bus is not so simple. Yeah, and
4: there's a lot of politics and uh-huh. stuff attached to
1: buses. Right, OK. OK. Mm. Uh, policy number three, yes. uh, build the Aboriginal Cultural Centre. I'll ensure that the Aboriginal Cultural Centre in Musgrave Park finally gets built. Uh, the, community, the Aboriginal community was widely consulted. Plans were drawn up, but the LNP spent the money elsewhere. So,
4: Yeah, look, a- Aboriginal culture, if, if most people don't know enough about Aboriginal culture, it's totally awesome. Mm-hmm. It's the, uh, I have a botanical background, so I know mm. the stuff they knew about plants was amazing. Uh, they had cultural ways of remembering all the knowledge that we don't have. We have to write everything down. No, mm-hmm. They had it all in their heads, and there's very interesting ways of doing that. Um, yeah, there's, there's so much in Aboriginal culture. It needs to be on display. And here we had a whole process that was going to produce a cultural centre where it could go on show, re- generate tourism jobs. I oh, know, speaking to tourists, and German tourists in particular, are very interested in Aboriginal culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh It needs to be put back on track' it's, mm-hmm. it's great and and like my my main policy uh focus is jobs. I think that the best way of making jobs is to do environmentally and ethically sound things like electric cars, mm-hmm. cannabis farms, cultural centers mm-hmm. um, and it's to me it's so obvious if you look at the, where you can make jobs, that that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many jobs will you have in, a, in an automated coal mine? Hardly any. But in an Aboriginal cultural centre, you, there's heaps of jobs.
1: Mm-hmm. On this podcast, we, um, we've often made controversial... Statements in regard to our indigenous brothers and sisters it 's more in terms of the treatment in, uh, of in a rights sense and we're going to talk later on about uh, the case where um, people now who weren't born in Australia but who claim indigenous heritage can now claim that they can't be deported. So that's a sort of a rights issue, but we're all for uh, cultural celebration and exchange well, and museums and all the rest of it. Celebration Absolutely. of culture. Yeah. No. yeah. Well,
4: mm. as, as back to my personal story, mm. like my first language is not English, right? Um, and uh, an Aboriginal couple moved, in, a brother and sister moved in next door when I was really little, mm-hmm. about two, three years old, mm-hmm. and I was taught English. By Aboriginals, <laughs> really? Aboriginals really? yes. Oh, really? So, yeah, so I have <laughs> a very, I have a very uh, warm feelings for Aboriginal culture because yes, you would.
0: Uh, Did you speak like only dingo or something right, like right. that? No, right. no, that, right.
4: <laughs> no. <laughs> that's a cultural stereotype. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, so yeah, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, um, you mentioned there you've got a botanical background. Yes. And you're known as, as the Butterfly Man?
4: That's right. The, mm. uh, I like butterflies. When I was young, there was no TV. We had radio, I think, but right. nothing else, no computers and stuff. So No,
3: no thing, computer in your tent? No, no computer.
4: The only interesting thing was uh, butterflies flying around. So, and then when I got older, I realised there weren't many. Yes. And I found out it was because each butterfly caterpillar needs its own food plant. And uh, knowing a lot about plants, I then tried to encourage people to grow the plants for the butterflies, Mm -hmm. set up a butterfly club, ended up with about 200 members. Wow. Uh, Wrote a book on butterflies, 48 butterflies you can have in your backyard in Brisbane. Right. uh, With the the native food plant and photos of the caterpillars and butterflies. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I spent 10 years for the club being their sort of project officer and going out to schools and boats and things, uh, telling people about butterflies. Right. That's where I got the name. Does the club still exist? Yes, it's still going. You can join it. The Butterfly right. and Other Invertebrates Club, BOIC. Look right. it up. Okay.
3: And there are still 48 butterflies that you could have in Brisbane? or
4: Yes, right. they're still there. One, there's one butterfly that's gone extinct. Right. I actually tried to save it. I, I wrote a recovery plan. Yes. But uh, it wasn't pretty enough. The government was an, an ugly butterfly. It was brown, basically, <laughs> brown and orange. And they pointed to the big green you know, birdwing butterfly and the big blue Ulysses butterfly. Yep. And I they said, said, what about that one? They said, these are the ones we've protected. Right, right. It's <laughs> not that ugly brown one. No. <laughs> so it's probably extinct now. Which is, It's quite pretty close up, but it's, right. kind of, it's not as big and flashy, so yeah. Right. Okay,
1: yep. You wouldn't have – do you have like – Specimens or these were that bad form to keep specimens
4: or? Oh, look there was an argument in the club Right. Um, i'm pro butterfly collecting, yep, because most of the information about about butterflies has come from butterfly collectors right and the uh, the main person in our club that provided really useful information was a butterfly collector, Bob right. Miller, yep, he was awesome, and he really loved butterflies, yep he and he collected them so he could see them and you, you really have to be able to look at them to, to tell some of them apart <laughs> yes. closely. So he, he, he made me a case of butterflies which I took around to talk so that yes. I could show people what real ones look like.
1: Yep. Alison in the chat room, who you know, yes. says, Frank, what are all the yellow butterflies that are everywhere at the moment?
4: Uh, the big ones are called lemon migrants mm-hmm. and they come in several forms. There's a pale white one, there's a reddish one, there's a yellow one, there's an orange one. They breed on trees in the cassia family, family like the golden rain cassia fistula, mm-hmm. or cassia queenslandica. Um, and if you look at the, those trees, you'll see the caterpillars on them at this very moment.
3: There you go, Alison. Right, very good. That was just a little test to make sure you weren't bullshitting us, and you know oh, you look, sound like you're legit. Ten years of having the trickiest <laughs> questions. So, so was there something about totally wild? Were you on? Is to- was, was that? What was totally wild? You had some totally wild stories. Oh yeah,
4: I was, I was on totally was it wild butterflies. A few times. Uh, yeah, mainly butterflies. Um, and uh, it <laughs> one of the presenters was a, had arachnophobia, I think, and right because my butterfly garden was full of spiders. Right, and they said, "Are there any spiders here?" And I said, I thought, "Quick thinking!" I said, "There are no red spiders in this yard." Right, okay. which there weren't because yes. I, you know, I had gotten rid of them yep. and so she was quite relieved and we did the segment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, okay Frank um, let's go on to another policy. policy, we'll come back to your life story still um, cultural centre we've done, uh, policy number four, establish a corruption hotline, are you are suggesting that there's corruption that needs to be hotlined? Well we we'll need to find out they, mm.
4: they, um, corruption is a very complicated issue mm-hmm. um, but We know that the Ipswich Council got sacked. We know the Logan Council got sacked. Mm. And whistleblowers tend to get really... um, uh, They get persecuted. So if we do a a corruption hotline, they've got one in Ipswich now, um, that would be just a first step. There's an awful lot of work to do to root out corruption.
1: Yeah. The problem with local government... Politics is that they're responsible for a lot of planning and rezoning decisions, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of money to be made by buying land uh, with a zoning that then gets changed to, you know, a, a oh, a yeah. residential zoning, and and it's that's one of the problems of local government is is that whole sort yeah. of land well, developers well, can well, make Labor- a lot of money very quickly.
4: Yeah, but the Labour Party's done things to. Try and uh, make that harder.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, the paperwork I had to do to, to sit for, as a candidate is uh, I had to sit for an exam. Really? Yes. Um, and you have to uh, declare all your interests, whether you were involved in any rezonings, and, and if you're a property developer, you aren't allowed to donate to a candidate. Yes. So that the Labor Party has done a lot to clean it up. But like, I think in Canberra, if land is rezoned, there's a tax on the increase in value of the rezoning. Right. So the, yep. the property property developer still gets some of that increased value, but the, the council also gets some. Yes. Yep. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff Good. that can still be done, but the, the, there has been a lot of s- s- done to fix that problem.
1: Yes. Yep. Um Just getting back to policy number six, um, more
3: butterflies for everyone. Oh, well. (laughs) so I'll I'll make it easier for people to connect with nature.
4: Yeah, it's uh, uh, nature, proven scientifically that connection with nature is good for your health. Yes. And I work in a local community garden in West End. Mm -hmm. And there's a butterfly garden there and there's also a lot of the normal community garden plants. And we have three kindergartens. Mm-hmm. come and do forest school there the, the little kids come and they you know make cubby houses climb trees build fires well fires in the pizza oven mm-hmm. things right um so they basically get some experience of nature mm-hmm. but our little park is really well set up for that because you know I'm, I'm interested in kids and butterflies and and nature but a lot of other parks in Brisbane aren't and one of the Uh, kindergarten said there's a problem with getting set up in another park right and so one of my policies is that the special unit be set up in Brisbane City Council to modify parks to make them amenable to having kids activities Mm -hmm. kids nature activities in them Mm
1: -hmm. very good Frank so we were talking earlier oh Frank I've never seen you wear a tie or a like How are you going to cope with the pomp and ceremony of City Hall
4: when
0: you take up the reins? You have to wear a big gold chain too.
4: Oh, yes, Trevor, that's the wrong question. You have to ask how City Hall is going to cope with me. Uh, Uh, One of the first things I'd like to do is actually auction off the gold chain, 1.67 kilograms of gold. Is it real gold? Right. Yeah, it's real gold. It's not pure gold, but it's real gold. Right. And it'd be worth about $70,000, I think. I'd like to auction it off and donate it to somebody like, say, Sisters Inside. Yes. Who actually could use that money rather than having it sit in a cupboard somewhere. Right. And I'm quite sure if I went down to the reject shop, I could get some suitable bling. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, to replace it, yes. And what kind of bling do you prefer?
4: Yeah. Uh, pearls, I think. Pearls. <laughs> <laughs> no, all
0: sorts of stuff.
1: Um, anyway, and we were talking earlier about your activism um, mm. through the years, and yep. uh, we were talking about whether you got drafted for the Vietnam War. Oh,
4: that's how I got yeah. into politics. Yeah. Um, was uh, the younger people probably don't know this, but the government right. wanted to conscript people. And send them off to war. Mm. Um, and my father was a peasant mm-hmm. originally in Poland, and they wanted to conscript people and send them off to Vietnam and kill Vietnamese peasants. Yes, well, I didn't want to do that. Mm. Um, so uh, they had a dra- uh, what they call conscription. You, they didn't want to conscript everybody, so they had a lottery. You put your, if your birthday came up, you were put in the army. Yes, and I refused to register.
1: Yes, this is the part that I didn't know. Did you guys know that you oh, had to absolutely. register?
0: Yeah, well, I was only a few years away from it when they uh-huh. stopped conscription. Yeah, I was yeah. very much aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: So if you did not register your name, then they wouldn't know about you and I'm not you sure wouldn't. About that. Unless somebody dobbed
4: you in. Lots yeah. of people went to jail for it.
1: Right. But lots of people avoided the issue by simply not registering. And when their birth date was called out, they. Well, no,
4: yeah, nobody came and knocked on the door. Yeah. They, yeah. I was in yeah. the draft resistors' union, so I was politically, politically organised. But, yes. yeah, I didn't want, didn't
3: make yeah. it easy for them. Yeah, I had no idea about this registering.
2: It's a pretty yeah. cruel thing that the government mm. did then. You know, they just said, by a lottery of your date of birth, mm. depends whether or not you go into car key mm. and whether or not you get sent abroad. Mm. Mm. That's right. You know, I... You know I'm the first to admit I'm actually not necessarily opposed to conscription, however, I do not believe conscripts should ever serve abroad they should only be they should only ever be used in Australia you know
0: home defence yeah
2: well not even home defence but you know we could have them out fighting bushfires and all that sort of thing um you know, I, I just think it's one of those things that the government could look at very seriously and that type of thing, but they don't.
0: Yeah, so and conscription just, is still uh, in the law books, so they can bring it back if they want to. They didn't actually cancel the legislation. They just stopped no, they enacting it. No, they just
2: stopped it. doing it, yeah.
0: yeah. They just wouldn't get away with it now. People would just say no.
2: I'm not sure. Exactly. That's the, oh, that's the whole bloody I, problem. I don't, you don't know, think
1: it's, people can be...
0: I'm not, uh, I'm not sure you're right, Trevor. To be
1: honest, if there will the, always be an element who'll sign up. Yeah, but there'd be a massive amount who just say, well, "Forget that. I'm not going to." Yes, but they also
0: accompany it with mm. uh, the relevant propaganda to yes. make people feel it's unpatriotic not to go along with it. Yeah, I think people have enough
1: knowledge of what's gone on before in other wars, and mm. and I think really yes. I, I, See, that's yes. that's
2: why I honestly believe that you've got to – if you're going to have conscription, I think that it should be made very clear that conscripts will never serve abroad.
0: But they always I wouldn't do. believe them. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah, believe them. I'd right. say, you, know, no, I do not it, believe that, you.
2: That, <laughs> and that's fine. You don't, you don't have to believe it. But, you know, I just think that it's one of those things that the government should – Discuss. Why? They're never going to do it, but they've well, got to discuss it.
0: Why would we need conscription? The Australian government try- tried to introduce conscription in the First World War, and they weren't successful. And yet, yeah, exactly, come the Vietnam War, they introduced it. It was successful, and people mm. went along with it on the whole. Yeah, mm. they
2: did. And initially, and initially, the public was very much behind conscription. They were very much behind Australia's involvement in Vietnam. But over the over the years and that type of thing, it did actually wane away.
1: You may so be that's right.
2: Up, that's why you ended up with this huge moratorium, marches, and all that sort of thing.
1: But I, I may be too optimistic. I, just, on this. I think you are. <laughs> yeah. I think you might be right. People might be, right. be suck in. I mean, they voted for Scott Morrison, mm-hmm. so exactly. why not vote for uh, uh, signing up for? Christmas? And they're not out in the
0: streets mine. demonstrating yeah. against this religious yeah, discrimination bill, well, are
3: they? I, I take it back. So, <laughs> <laughs> provided, <laughs> provided they can get a. a a good supply of toilet paper. They'll, they'll agree to anything.
2: <laughs> that is ridiculous.
3: We'll come back I mean, to that, Scott. We're not going to go there yet. We've still got Frank with us, and we'll, we'll finish up with Frank stuff before we paper. go further. Diverting further, uh, policy
1: number seven. Here's one that we'll all agree with: end public prayers in council.
4: Oh yes, absolutely. It's my mm. it's my, it's, it's my uh, attempt to help the Christians because you mm. know you know this, that, that that joke about. Uh, Christians talk about the Bible and atheists read it. Yeah, well I actually read the Bible. <laughs> and I just I discovered that, that God does not approve of public prayers and he calls people that do it hypocrites. Yes. It's in the Bible. Yes. So I'm I'm gonna help these poor hypocrites in the council yes. to avoid going to hell. Yes. And I'll just stop the prayers and
1: uh, you've got it in your policy here, a quote from uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Yep. Scott happens to be an expert on Matthew, a <laughs> Christian. And you've got here, um, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues
0: where everyone can see them. It's yeah, a kind it. of virtue signalling for Christians, yes. isn't it? It mm. is, yes. yeah, yeah, there's,
2: yeah. There's
4: a lot of good stuff in, you know, as an atheist, there's a yeah. lot of good stuff in Christianity. Um yes. And it. Uh, the thing I like most about Christianity is the sense of community. Yes. The, the last pagan Roman emperor Julian, I think his name was, he said the Christians are winning because they have community and we don't. Yes. and that's mm. that's a strong point of. Uh, so I have a. I don't try and criticize Christians for no reason. It's just if they do bad things like Scott Morrison does. Yes. Um, yeah, I criticize them, but there's a lot of good stuff in Christianity as well. Yes. Like what? <laughs> Apart from uh. community. <laughs> Oh, that sounding like that blindy that Python sketch. What did the Romans ever do for us? Yeah, exactly. What did the Christians ever do
3: for us? <laughs> yeah, that was specifically Christian. Universities. That was specifically Christian that hadn't been thought up by
0: other who, groups who before invented
4: him? the universities? Yeah, but uh, ha, ha, it's him. not as if
0: we, right. uh, universities are sustained by Christianity. But they invented them. So what? That was mean? hundreds of years ago. <laughs> did they invent universities? Christians, yeah. What do you, what do you define as a
3: university?
4: Well, like what Oxford, Cambridge, right?
3: Uh, whatever that the French other ones,
0: ones in called, Europe were started pronounce. by religious orders.
1: But, but, but it's yeah. true. centres of learning. Existed. Yeah, centres of learning. But, but the Greeks had centres of learning. Well,
4: oh, they know. had those those forums and stuff, you, you know, know. And those and, parties where they got drunk.
1: And, and Socrates and Aristotle and and Plato, had, they they had their and groups that they would too. would. Examine life and discuss the matters of the world, and so yeah. there was centres of learning.
4: And, what, and where did all that end? It all ended.
1: Well, well, it, well it led just, to the Roman Empire and, yeah. and and to Christianity. And but you know, it wasn't a uniquely Christian idea to have no, a no, centre of learning no, where people uniquely, discussed. But matters. it's one.
4: It's one yeah. area where they mm. actually did something positive. Right. You know? We can't. Can't. Be too hard
1: okay. on them. All right. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> Policy number eight, which I think is the last, is... Uh, what do we got here? Reduce human suffering. Um, so it's about voluntary assisted dying. You will do whatever you can to support that.
4: Uh, yeah, I, I'm not hoping... You know, it's not for me, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be grumpy and be really annoying to everybody as long as I can. But... Um, Yeah, I've just seen too many people suffer unnecessarily. It's just cruel. Mm. I just can't believe that people could be that cruel.
1: Yes, and of course uh, Brisbane's most famous Lord Mayor, Clem Jones, uh, his wife died a pretty tough death and as a result money from his estate is used towards funding some of the voluntary assisted dying campaigns.
4: Yep. I have seen none of that money. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you're not going to? No, 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 I don't yeah, think I will yeah, either. No. But just a little fun fact there, that uh, that's hmm. where a lot of the funding has come from, is the estate yep. of um, Clem Jones.
4: And, uh, and uh, the, it, I think the current government <gasps> is, is going to bring it in. Uh, the, there's some really sort of hardcore Christian groups that like people to suffer. Yes, that uh, tends to scare politicians. Yes, um, and they they can get you know twenty thousand emails into an, uh, a minister's inbox on a particular issue and mm. policy. But the the Labor Party brought in the abortion law, mm. and I think they'll they'll. Probably with a little bit more encouragement or will bring in one on, on voluntary assisted dying.
1: Yeah, I think they might, but I think it might be too late because I reckon even if they bring it in, mm. it'll have some sort of 12-month window before the first one oh, can take yeah. place and before that window uh, is opened or closed, it's hard to yeah. think what it would be in this case. But in any event, <laughs> within that 12 months, if the LNP gets in, they'll, mm. they'll then reverse that before the first one can take place. Oh, well. So right. that's my concern. Actually, Those are my prediction. I think, prediction.
4: Well, I'll, I think you're giving
2: Deb yeah. Freckington far too much credit there. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah.
1: Well. Anyway, if I'm Lord yeah. Mayor, I'll be there. Good on you. Spruiking for it. Yes. I've got a theory that uh, with the, when it comes to Brisbane, Brisbane as a district for hmm. a council is one of the largest going around. Like it's yes, a, it's huge. Yes. So... Places like Sydney have got dozens or... Yeah, lots of a, little councils, Lots yeah. of little councils that bicker amongst themselves in and, and a sort of uncoordinated fashion. And Brisbane has the benefit, I think, in having a, a single council controlling a large area and it's got some of the um, advantages of size. The economies of scale. Yeah, and yeah. if they decide to do things, they don't have to negotiate with...
4: a dozen different
1: councils about certain things like, you know, a simple thing like a shopping centre at Bondi in Sydney, the traffic issues that that might require consulting with three different councils, you know, because of the connecting roads and things. So Brisbane can just do it. Um, And I've always had, really, no matter what party's been in charge, the the actual running of the Brisbane City Council, if I ring up and I say there's a pothole or there's... um, an issue like that, I've always found it pretty good to deal with. And here's my theory, Frank, is that in terms of things like the ordinary running of the council, making sure that the roads are, you know, acceptable, the sewerage works, the water's pumped, and the things that you expect from a council, Mm. it's a large, well-resourced public service that's already in place that will do those things no matter who's in charge really. And uh-huh. and here's what I'm getting at: yes. is that somebody like you can come along with these ideas, which are unique, and it's not like all that other regular stuff isn't going to just happen because there's professional people sort of doing that stuff already who just keep doing it. Like you can add some unique ideas here that would never get off the ground. Oh,
4: I, I could also, mm. um, in terms of running the council, because mm. I. Have things to do. I meet council workers in a lot of bush care stuff and community garden stuff, Mm. and there there are sort of issues of organisation within council as well that could be improved. Mm -hmm. That would improve the way services are delivered, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something I'm interested in as well because I I know people that have worked in council and and know some of the issues there. Mm. Like large organisations can have problems that Mm. make them a little bit inefficient. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're things I could look at as well when I'm in charge, when I'm in charge, said optimistically.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, Frank, we've run through your policies. Yes. And we're we're potentially going to get into some very tricky areas which... um, And I know know you've got places to go. You've got babies to kiss and hands to shake. Hands to shake, yeah. (laughs) Butterflies to (laughs) nurture. Butterflies and moths, yeah. Yeah. So you're going to leave us. Yes, unfortunately. And um, did you have anything else that you wanted to get off your chest? Here's your chance. Um, Oh, look,
4: mm. if politicians aren't listening to you, Mm. don't vote for them. Vote for the ones that do what you want them to do. That's my main message. Okay, all right.
3: We'll hold you to it, Frank. Remember us when you're famous. <laughs> Thank you. Can do we get the first interview when you're Lord Mayor, your first long-form interview? You know,
0: the day after. Can we oh have my that? God. Can you commit to that?
4: Now? <laughs> I don't know. I'll probably. Yeah,
0: I, yeah. Can we have our own podcasting studio inside <laughs> yeah. City Hall? Yeah. What are you doing? For, what are you doing for podcasters at City Hall? I look Frank?
4: Like, I do have an interest in, in community um, broadcasting. Yeah. And right i'll i'll take that question <laughs> request <What>? on notice <laughs> <Sometimes>. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, there's we used to have a, a tv station bridge 31 i think yes. it was yeah and yeah. It's sort of gone on the internet sort yeah. of, um i think there's that look there's there's a an awful lot to be done in in community media and community arts and yeah i i've got lots of you know, there's there's a whole network of people out there that that would love to do stuff on that, mm. and and I know some of them, and they can knock on my door, right, at City Hall. Yeah, just make sure they vote for me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Good on you, Frank. Okay, take those headphones off, and uh, I'll do
1: a and grab your stuff, and uh, thanks, Frank, for doing that.
4: Thank you very much for having, and me. I'll send you
1: the links and everything after the show, and you oh, can no. you can send it to your. Fifty thousand supporters throughout Queensland. Some of whom might hopefully become watchers of this fine oh, podcast. Yeah. We well, only
4: yeah. need three hundred thousand votes. A- okay, so. all right. Okay,
1: <laughs> thanks, Frank. Thanks, Frank. Okay. Thanks very much, Frank. See you. Bye now. Great to see you again. Right. Okay, so there we go. There's Frank. He's off. <laughs> In a relieved, a
0: relieved Frank. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, mate. See you, Frank. That was good. One of the good guys, Frank. Yeah. There were many he good is, guys. Yeah. 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 In that Brisbane yeah. library meeting that we used it to was, attend. indeed,
1: yeah, Right, gentlemen. So, dear listener, um, if you're new to this podcast, we traditionally talk about news events of the week and we just run through the different topics and give our opinions of what's happened and what we think should happen. And sometimes we have special episodes where we talk about discrete topics. So have a look through our back catalogue. Go to au, and you'll see them all there. So, gentlemen, uh, what's... Well, just to get on... uh, Just a few matters from last week. Mm -hmm. We briefly discussed Bettina Arndt. We did. And just to refresh your memory, dear listener, Bettina... uh, There was that tragedy where uh, a father um, poured petrol over his wife and three kids and they all burnt in the car. And uh, Bettina Arndt said... Congratulations to the Queensland Police for keeping an open mind and awaiting proper evidence, including the possibility that Rowan Baxter might have been, quote, driven too far, end quote. But note the misplaced outrage, how dare police deviate from the feminist script of seeking excuses. So we had a discussion about whether she was really referring to insanity or was it was appropriate, etc. All of that was in last week. She, so. she was
0: actually repeating the words of the policeman himself Indeed. who was, stood aside.
1: Indeed. So... Yeah. Lengthy discussion last week. But we did get something from Woz, a friend of the show. Good on you, Woz, who sent an image of a headline from the ABC News from 2017 when there was that tragedy of the family in Cairns um, where eight kids were killed it was a shocker. by a mother. And the headline on the ABC News site was Cairns Children, Cairns children Killings... What drove Rainer, Thyaday to slay eight kids? And there is similar the word, drove. Yes, similar sentiment. Very similar. So I don't recall the outrage at that time when about people saying, what do you mean drove, what drove her to it? I don't think there was any, Trevor. I don't think there was, but there should have been. But uh, in my opinion, but in your opinion it wouldn't have been because you would say <sighs> it was...
0: Think... Uh, I mean, people expressed, mm. I, I suppose, shock, yes. but also probably uh, a degree of sympathy for the woman because she mm. clearly was disturbed mm. in doing something like that. And mm. I, I think sympathy is appropriate.
1: Mm. Anyway, interesting, the similar use of words and nowhere near the same sort of outrage over those words used by ABC. If any at all. Right. In the past week, coronavirus and the economy. Yes. Um, the stock market yesterday lost seven percent. I don't know yeah. what it did today. Cool. Um, it went think? up
2: slightly again. I couldn't oh, see it by how much, but it did go up a little bit. Right. Yeah,
0: okay. But I heard that. But it's awful, it's, the, a,
2: it's awful light, though.
0: Right. Yeah, I heard the last twelve months of gains in the stock prices have all been lost. Well, I heard, and I, and essentially, it's.
1: The stock market is now at the position it was 14 months ago. Well, okay. That was, that was well, this morning go. before
0: today's trading. So it's gone backwards. But really, that's not a bad result. I mean, Really? It's it, a bad result for me. Well, well, well <laughs> a person looking at retirement in the not-too-distant future who's going to be counting on superannuation, yeah. my superannuation yeah, account has I've, gone it's, 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 yeah. backwards badly. Yeah, but the stock market is I supposed to go before. up and down. What did you tell extent. me before?
2: Yeah, what I you told tell? you before, Paul. What you should be doing is you shouldn't be. You should be out of those um, high growth, high risk funds and into a more diversified fund, if not even a capital guaranteed fund. Right now, oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm in a. I'm in yeah, what's yeah. called a balanced. Listen, yeah, don't, do program. not take
1: financial advice from this podcast. No, Seek your never. own. No, but, um, it's um, least of all from me. Advice. But <laughs> really, if to, to me, it just shows how. Booming the stock market was if it was up something like over twenty percent in fourteen months. Is that necessarily
0: a bad thing, though?
1: It's unsustainable. How do you know? Well, historically, it's unsustainable. No, that's not true. Twenty percent a year is not. I think
2: you've got to look at the average of it all. And if it's been up twenty percent, now it's down fourteen percent. So it's down to sort of six percent across that time. I don't think that's that bad. You've just got to look at the average return, that's all.
1: No, but, Scott, it's down to where it was 14 months ago. So it's as if oh, you're no, in the same no. position you were 14 months ago. And Absolutely.
2: Just, but, I, and that, but over time, stock prices
1: the, do up, rise. Yes, but over time. And, and they
2: also go back. But I'm just saying it's not that bad because...
1: It's bad for me. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, people are claiming it's horrendous, but at the end of the day, if... Uh, I mean, how many houses would you buy... Well. It'd be quite often the case that you'd buy a house worth a million dollars and 14 months later it's still worth the same amount. Like Assets don't necessarily have to increase by
0: 5 or 10% every year. I think you're year. looking at the position of a person who's right. already well set up in right. life, which I'm not. I'm,
3: I'm trying and to... And
0: there must be a lot of other people out there like me right. who are counting on their superannuation account... Uh, seeing steady growth
1: well you cannot count on shares having steady growth that's not how shares work i don't have any shares well yes you do by your superannuation fund if your superannuation fund is invested in shares so if you can't count on steady growth from shares that's the whole point of shares is that they are higher risk and as a result they go up and down and it's part of the
0: it's part of the deal. But the of whole point shares. of superannuation is that people contribute to it over the lifetime of their of their yeah. working lives. Yeah. Not fourteen months. And no, not fourteen months. And obviously, I've been in it yeah. for longer than fourteen months. But yeah. when you when you are reaching the sort of uh, near the end stages of your working life, yes. you do certainly hope that it's going to go up and not down. And sadly,
1: you, you, you just have to hope that over the next. Over the years, there's more ups than downs, but you have to and expect has downs. Been. Yeah,
0: And there has been. But yeah. there was a cup I think, about a year and a half ago, there was mm. a there was a big dip as well. And, mm. of course, back in 2008, 2009, there was a very big dip. Yeah. All I'm saying is it's not so bad. And
3: you're disagreeing <laughs> with me, as
0: usual. <laughs> but, it may not be so bad for you, Trevor. Yeah. You're a lot further away from uh, retirement uh, uh, than I am. Uh,
1: well... I don't think it's because of selfish reasons. It's because the way you have it to It is view... on my, my past yeah, It's very Yeah, I'm just saying you have to view, You cannot expect shares to increase every year. You have to accept that some years they'll go down. Of course I accept that. Yeah. And if it's only... If you could... You know, There's been far worse plummets over time than to be just where you were 14 months ago.
0: Yes, yes. Look, mm. I, I totally take your point. Yeah. But the point I would make mm. is coronavirus mm. is something that didn't have to come along Mm. and probably no-one saw it coming Mm. and that it was a a shock to the whole system. Yes, Yes, it is. Yeah.
1: Um, We said after the 2019 election, sort of consoling ourselves, um, when Morrison won, was Mm. maybe this was a good election to
0: lose. Do you remember that? I don't remember you saying that, but... uh Scott, yeah, I remember, remember him saying that, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think he said that there could be something around the corner that could knock his uh, surplus over and kill the economy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: because basically, historically, what had happened in recent times was the, the conservative
3: side was in power during the good years, and it was things, financial crisis would come along whenever Labor got in power, yeah. and it just seemed like maybe we were due, and maybe... So,
0: Maybe B- People are yeah. even suggesting, you know, people are yeah. saying, so what will the Morrison government do? Will they do as the Rudd government did and try to stimulate the economy by giving money away? Yes. And it's hard to imagine uh, a Liberal, Go- Liberal National Party government giving, actually giving money away as the Rudd government did. Yes. However, they may well try to stimulate the economy by injecting money into infrastructure or other things. Yeah. Well, here's the point I want to make about the whole... Well, we're stop- going to
2: find out tomorrow. Right.
1: Oh, are we? Yeah.
2: He, mm, I mean um, they're announcing their stimulus package tomorrow.
1: Okay. Right. it would be interesting to see how they do it. So there's two... Well, here's a thing of different ways they could do it. The Rudd government, for example, just handed out a lot of cash to, um, to the people and said, go
0: spend it. Nine hundred dollars for every yep. person who yeah. had paid tax, I yeah. believe.
1: And I was involved yeah. in some stuff at the time where we went to some trade fairs, and there were end users, consumers there. Holy smokes, was that a successful trade fair? Oh, yeah. Like
3: the, the the tills were ringing like crazy. Okay. Um, it was. It really did boost things. So, or the other thing that they could say is
1: is tax cuts as a means of of stimulating the economy because you can't cut interest rates anymore. And what I wanted to get to was one of the most influential books I've read in recent times was The Shock Doctrine by Naomi Klein. And what she was... uh, The premise of the book was that neoliberal economists and activists like the Institute of Public Affairs have got a wish list of, of things that they want in terms of lowering taxes, cutting red tape, and um and and getting special privileges for big business, and when there is a crisis that's when um, that's when they can say, "We want these things, and governments can more easily give them because oh no, the stock market's crashed uh, this has happened uh, we're really in trouble let's provide a ten percent let's carve off 10% off the tax rate for corporations or whatever. And, and then that's in place. And two years later, when things have settled back, you can't, you, can, you can't go... It's very difficult to say, oh, things are better now. Let's have that 10% back. Like, they're experts at, at lobbying for their special deals um, when there's a shock in the system. So, as an example, in America at the moment... Um, the Bank Policy Institute, which is a Washington-based lobbying organisation, has released a set of proposals, one of which is that the Federal Reserve lower capital requirements to zero, which means banks could lend an unlimited amount without having any assets or wealth to back it up, wow. i.e. to stimulate the economy, let's let banks lend willy-nilly. We need it because of this crisis. And it's not just in America. So reading The Australian, dear listener. Um, Prominent businessman Tony Shepard said, tax relief and investment incentives should be on the table for all businesses, along with a pause in new red tape. Quote, as it is, private investment was at a long-term low before the crisis hit. He says, a holiday from new business regulation at all levels of government would inspire confidence. A wind back would be nirvana. He said tax relief would be essential for those on lower incomes... Perhaps they could have a holiday from compulsory superannuation, giving them a well-needed 9% pay hike at zero cost to the budget. Um, Mr Shepherd, who conducted a commission of audit into federal finances for the Abbott government, said regional assistance should be focused on bushfire and drought relief. So these are sort of systemic uh, changes which neoliberal advocates will try and pump for while our system is in shock and that 's dangerous as opposed to short term things where you say well here 's a discreet
0: bunch of money once that 's done it 's done mm. so it 's very short term thinking though isn 't it because you know, well-off people will still be able to save money. It's just mm. the poor people who will be told, you don't need to save for your, uh, your your retirement anymore. Yes. Just spend it now. Yes. It will go into the into the economy. But down the road, they'll be worse off, whereas the, the better off will still be saving money anyway and still will be yes. well set up for retirement. Yeah. So Absolutely. This is, so this is a government
1: that's refused to do anything for Newstart even though John Howard, of all people, mm. has said it's time to beef yes. it up, this is the obvious thing that you would do yes. would be pump some money into
3: the new start allowance. Because guess what? Those people are going to they do spend every cent spend of it. it exactly, exactly. It'll be interesting to see which way
1: they jump. And I'm saying to your <laughs> listener, when the details come out, ask, Is this a systemic change that's really part of the shock doctrine, or is this a discrete short-term thing that uh, isn't going to create a systemic change? Mm. Judge it by that.
2: Well, I did mm. hear this morning on the radio that one of the things that was being discussed was the possibility of just dropping money in the bank accounts of those people that are on Start and their pensions, because they're going to spend it all. Mm. The other thing was also on the table was um, some sort of investment allowance for business, which, you know, it sounds all right on first blush, but then you've got to realise is that every time you give away investment allowances, blah, 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 none of it finds its way through to people's pay packets. It yep. all goes through to the boss, and he ends up getting fatter and richer on it.
1: Yep, yep. So, um, so anyway, uh, we'll see where that ends up uh, in terms of, the economy. The other thing, of course, dear listener, just briefly what's happened, not only the coronavirus, but oil. So, OPEC was in negotiations with Putin over oil, where they were trying to agree that they would reduce, you know, mutually agree to keep production levels low and therefore prices high, but they fell out, couldn't agree, and have now both said, well, we're just going to. Um,
0: pump, more, pump oil. more
1: oil into the system which so the will has gone drop down. the price and so all of these stocks that are related to those industries have plummeted and that's the other sort of trigger as to what's
0: happened here. How does it help the oil producers to have prices going down? Um, Just selling more volume is it? I guess the
1: Saudis are worried that the Russians will sell all of their oil oh. and the Saudis won't sell any, um, so they, they don't, and they want the money now because actually Saudi hasn't saved much money; like they've wasted it, as you'd expect. So they can't afford to let the Russians take over the market. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's a case of it would have been in their interest, like with
0: the OPEC oil crisis, for them to
1: agree but they just
0: couldn't It's puzzling, isn't it, that Um, Putin, for whatever reason, couldn't uh, find common ground with them?
1: Well, he knows it's going to crunch America as well because America's got this shale oil industry and it's slightly more expensive to produce the shale oil and there's a huge industry that's being built up around it and that's going to be just kaput now. So with cheap oil, he's created a massive headache for America. So he'd he'd be laughing about what that's causing. So... That's part of the trigger, along with coronavirus. The other thing that coronavirus is doing, of course, is playing havoc with holy water and, and other... <laughs>
0: Indeed.
2: That was hilarious, yeah.
0: And and holy sites all around the world, yes. at least in the major we religions. We
1: spoke last week about holy sites where they were licking the oh. relics and things as a normal practice, and they've been saying, stop doing that. Please, yeah, stop. So now um, Catholic Church has urged uh, or basically instructed the various parishes not to uh, have um,
0: basins of holy water. And holy communion. <coughs> They're going to... They're not going to have a a common chalice of wine being Mm. passed around. Yep. Um, And something different in the way they distribute the wafers as well. Yes. And even even Lourdes,
1: where the sick have travelled from all over the world to bathe in the waters there and... And get their miracle. And share their germs. Yes. Uh, The authorities there
3: have announced that it's going to be closed. Yes. Um, No bathing for sick people. Look, let's hope it at least... So that's showing a lot of faith in your uh, miracles, isn't it? Let's
0: hope it at least sort of um, makes people think a little bit more deeply about the power of their so-called faith. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um, so, yeah, quoting the Lord's
1: decision, the officials were quoted saying, our first concern will always be the safety and health of the pilgrims and the
0: Shrine's working community. And because we know God isn't doing Mm. anything at all to protect them.
1: And as a precaution, the pools have been closed until further
0: notice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. It's hilarious, really, isn't it? Yeah. Right. um, He's
2: absolutely hysterical.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, uh, religious discrimination issues. Um, Apparently, the Muslim community is pleading for more protection in the Religious Discrimination Bill. Um, and Attorney-General Christian Porter is sympathetic, he's carefully considering, because according to the Muslim community, it has never felt this unsafe um, following the first anniversary of the Christchurch massacre. And um, they've called for anti-vilification measures, etc. I just want to say that as an atheist and pro-secular person...
0: I've never felt more unsafe. Don't worry about the Muslims. Like, my legal rights have never been under more threat. The Muslims are in one of the safest places on the whole planet for anybody, including Muslims. Yes. And they're claiming to be unsafe. Give me a break. Yes. Here's the disappointing bit. Federal opposition leader Anthony
1: Albanese has written to the Prime Minister urging him to hold a national multi-faith service on March 15th.
0: That undermines my faith... (coughs) in the ALP, yep. as a party of a secular political
1: system. Yeah. So join up with me and, and, and make change from within. Sure. Good, luck. Yep. Yep. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. It's a worry, Scott. Like, the, already... It's a hell
2: of a worry because, you know, you've got, you've got the lunatic right that are just behaving like complete lunatics. Mm. I mean, Christian Porter is a nutcase, you know, I always thought he was one of the more sensible members of the government, but he clearly mm. is a nutter. And then you've got the ALP out there making nonsense claims that you should uh, have a, what do you call a it? Multi-faith a multi-faith ceremony. multi-faith ceremony. You know, it's yeah. all a load of nonsense.
1: Let's have a, let's have a ceremony without uh, atheists. Secularists. But, but, yeah, let's of have all a, stripes. Yeah, let's have, a, let's have a ceremony without atheists. That would be a great way to improve things. That's essentially what he's calling for. Yeah. Give me a break.
2: Well, I mean, he had that. He had that thing where he discussed the. He discussed the. I uh, oh, had a. What do he call it? He he consulted with. He a consulted whole group
1: with stakeholders, of... and there wasn't a single atheist amongst them.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Didn't ask the rationalist. Didn't yeah. ask the atheist foundation. Didn't ask yeah. the humanist. Didn't Apparently ask anyone. Don't it. count. Yeah.
2: Exactly, it's really sickening.
1: I think this Labor Party is going to roll over. That's why. Well,
2: that's a hell of a worry because we've already had that. Uh, message from that one woman in sydney i believe who said that she rang albanese's office to give them a blast when it was reported that he was considering handing over the religious discrimination act to the to the government and she got assurances from albanese's office that it was all just politics Mm. and that sort of stuff and that they weren't going to back it Mm.
0: when you say the labor party is going to roll over i have an image of my mind of the labor party and the person of Anthony Albanese lying on his back asking the religious leaders to scratch his tummy. Mm. He's
3: already rolled over. Yeah,
1: or, you know, a dog in a fight that's ready to concede and God. does so by no rolling onto dog. its back and saying, I'm, I'm done, I give in. There's absolutely yeah. no fight it, in that That's dog. what it looks like. So
2: that's no, a worry. You know, let's, I would love Julia Gillard back.
1: You know, Oh, although Scott, she gave she, in to, she
2: gave in too, to but the um,
1: she, Australian Christian lobby and sucked up to, um, to them as well. Yeah, so, you're right. Yeah. You're Do you right. know who I heard right. speaking? So. I heard Tony Burke speaking in Parliament. He's a practising Christian as well. Yeah, he spoke very well. I've said there's no salesman in the Parliament. I think he could be a salesman. I'm not sure of his positions. Well, used cars. Um, but to sell, to sell a story. He actually spoke really well, the bit yeah, I saw. I've I'll never been very keep an eye impressed at him by anyway. him, I have to say. Okay.
0: Well,
2: I keep thought them. he was actually quite an impressive yeah. speaker. You don't you like
1: know? AOC either, so you don't... Know. No, I don't. Yeah. Well, hey, um, she's
0: better looking than
1: Tony <laughs> Boe. <Bird. coughs> oh, 12th man. <laughs> right. Um, just briefly, I don't know if I sent you this one, but uh, our Queensland Police Commissioner, Katarina Carroll... Mm. has set an ambitious target to reduce the crime rate by 5%, which she says is achievable under a major restructure. The Courier Mail can reveal Ms Carroll's plans to reach her aspirational target by focusing on demand and preventative measures and by officers focusing on crimes that threaten public safety, such as stolen cars, break-ins and assaults. I look at that and I ask to go, what a load of rubbish. Police commissioners and police... Don't reduce the crime rate. Like,
0: the crime rate is a function of our society. A whole bunch of things. Exactly. And you just... Education, yep. social safety net, employment, yep. uh, you know, good public services and facilities. It's yep. a whole complex it's a complete... interaction of a whole bunch of things, a isn't it?
2: It's bunkum
0: for a police commissioner to say, I'm going to
3: reduce the crime rate by 5% <sighs> yeah, good with extra luck. police. Like good it's luck. The crime is generated by... A whole host of factors it's outside the power of a yeah. police commissioner. That's just a worry. It's just saying,
0: yeah. Shows how really undereducated they are for the role. You know, they really yes. don't understand what 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 their place in yes. that complex system is, yes. do they? They just don't understand. Yeah. You want to, you know, do you want to reduce the crime rate by 5%? percent mm
1: Open a cannabis um, thing that Frank exactly. was talking about, yeah. and
0: bingo. Stop arresting people yeah. for yeah. victimless yeah. so-called crimes. Yes, yeah, yeah. yep. And educate the, people better. Yep. Give them jobs so that they don't feel alienated from yep. society and go out and start breaking the law. Yep. yeah. There's a whole bunch of things they but could this sort do. Gung ho thing by concentrating and cracking down on this. We're going to reduce crime. Just give me a break. That's Sorry, Scott.
2: It's a load of garbage.
0: Yeah. It's like in America. They reduce the crime rate by building more prisons. Yeah. yeah. Locking male people away. Yeah. Yeah. And does it work? I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh,
1: also, on a similar topic, Queensland Police Union boss. So Queensland Police Union boss says, parents of youth offenders should be
0: stripped of welfare payments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow.
3: <laughs> Wait, where do we get
0: these people from? No idea. Jesus Any ideas, Scott? Crust. Where did these people come from? Get these people?
2: Uh, no, I uh, – Laver's his name, isn't it? Ken Laver? Ah, uh,
1: I don't have his name in front of me. That sounds okay, about I, right.
2: I, I thought it was Laver. Right. And he was a friend of a bloke who was, who was a um, one of my referees. Mm-hmm. And you just think to yourself, a union boss that sounds like he's on the wrong side of it all. He's very much a Tory.
0: Doesn't sound very sympathetic to people who are doing it tough in life, does no,
2: it? No, not at all. Mm, mm.
0: Oh, just mm.
1: you know, just some examples of of leadership. Bring bring on Frank uh, for Lord Mayor Isaac. <laughs> why,
0: why not bring back the workhouse? If, yeah, you know,
1: yeah. All right, we're getting to the end here. Um, do we want to talk about terra Nullius and that High Court decision and about the citizens?
0: We they, talked
1: did, about it last week a little yeah. bit, didn't we? Um, I've got some notes here, dear listener. Let me just... This is the decision where we had uh, some people who were born outside of Australia who claim to be of Indigenous heritage who then said that, as a result, the government cannot deport them because they're not aliens and so they would be treated differently from somebody
0: who was not an Indigenous person. It was so, as if they had some sort of... Spiritual connection with with the land. That was their argument. Even though one was born in Papua New Guinea, the other was born in New Zealand. They have some sort of invisible connection to the Australian landmass. Indeed. So, uh,
1: in the decision, uh, the High Court was split 4-3 and the Chief Justice was one of the dissenters who said, complete nonsense. Did he? uh, She. Oh, she? Yes. Said, complete nonsense. So... I've got to try and explain this in, in three minutes, so when you're around the water cooler and discussing this with friends, you, you can get a grip of it. But basically, uh, when, Austra- when, the, when white men came to Australia... Europeans, was, please. Yes, it was declared terra nullius, meaning there's nobody here. And the way the legal system worked was, if uh, a, a colonising group moves onto vacant land that's unoccupied, then all of the laws of the, of, their, uh, of the parent country, if you like, apply to the new country, holus bolus, instantaneously. If, however, it's deemed that the land has been settled by some other Indigenous culture, so it's already occupied, therefore not terra nullius, then the laws of the existing local community will apply until they are, uh, unless there is a, a coloniser's law that that um, overrides them, yeah? So the whole when I went to law school, terra nullius, Indigenous people had no rights. Afterwards, Mabo decision came along, which said, no, in fact, that's wrong. There was an existing culture here of people. So their laws apply until... The colonisers' laws abrogated them, superseded them. So, in terms of land that had been already distributed to farmers, for example, and had been allocated, um, you know, residential houses, that was land which the uh, European settlers had made laws in respect of, and therefore those laws stand. However, there is land in Australia which has not been touched, and therefore... There's has no, been, been no superseding law. Therefore, the original Indigenous laws regarding land ownership survive because it's just unoccupied Crown land. Therefore, the previous laws apply. But that what if the whole... there were
0: no Indigenous people living there
1: either? Okay, then there would be no land, um, land, um, Indigenous land rights. So if you had some land that was Crown land that had never been given away to farmers or settlers you then look at it and say, OK, is there a, a, a title for Indigenous people here? And that would require an examination of what was the Indigenous laws at the time. And part of that was, did this tribe of people have a connection to this particular block of land? So the connection of a tribe to the land was an essential requirement to work out to see whether native title could apply. And what this case has done with the citizenship thing has said, uh, Joe Bloggs, born in Papua New Guinea, who identifies as an Aboriginal, says he has a connection to the land and therefore the citizenship laws do not apply to him. It's a completely different question because... Mm. Our constitution and our lawmakers have already made laws superseding about citizenship. So, whether you have a connection to the land or not as an Indigenous person can only be relevant for land rights. It's, it's not relevant to citizenship issues, and this is what the Chief Justice said. And it just it just blows my mind that oh, a majority of the High Court could look at it differently. And when you're reading the the, the judgment of the chief justice. She says things like, um, these arguments are based on a wrong premise. It's not the traditional laws and customs which are recognised by the common law. It is native title, which is the subject of recognition by the common law and to which the common law will give effect. Um, she says something here. At the heart of the plaintiff's case is the erroneous assumption that the connection to the land necessary for recognition by the common law of native title may be used in an entirely different area of the law. Its use for such a purpose is wrong as a matter of law and logic. Pretty tough words, I reckon. Here's my point. The Pell case is coming up for appeal to the same High Court. Anything's possible. It's, it's anything. tomorrow. Absolutely it is. <coughs> is it tomorrow? I'm not sure when it is, but anything is possible. So when you've got a High Court that's split um, like that on an issue like that... Um, it's hard to predict. Anything is possible. Um, I really wouldn't be surprised if. Um, and, and I look at the I look at the Pell case myself, and I'm not sure how I would you, judge it. I think he's got good grounds. I just.
0: Do you have any any inkling as to why uh, the majority of the High Court judges found in favour of these foreigners with a, an alleged? connection to the land no, i
1: haven't had time to read all of it i don't think i will find time okay. to read all of it somebody else can
3: inform
0: don't me. Don't you but, get the but, feeling yeah. they're kind of social justice warriors in uh, sitting on the high court bench feeling that they're doing some kind of you know right thing yes. for the indigenous people yeah. because they've been so hard done by in the past
1: yeah um Alison in the, in the chat room says, I think the Citizenship High Court decision was more about the vibe than the law, so... Yes, sounds like <laughs> it. Yeah, I think
0: you're right,
3: Alison. Yeah, so...
1: Uh,
0: and the vibe's important.
1: Yeah. To so, some people. Anyway, anything, anything is possible.
0: Um, What's your vibe around Cardinal Pell? I think he'll get off.
1: I, I don't think they'd take... I reckon they... I don't think they would have taken the case on unless they intended to do something... Mm-hmm. Just my gut feel, but um but who knows with this court, so we'll see right. there's lots of other things we'll get to next week um, Afghanistan war would be a good one seeing the u s is pulling out of that um, mm. and we can discuss kind of, how many years they've been there now oh goodness me two thousand
0: and one. Did they go in so in late 2001? Yeah.
2: Oh, well, they went in in 2002, I believe. Okay. Yeah.
0: And there's been
1: leaked papers... For 18 years. ...that show that all along the US government knew it was going disastrously, but spun a different story. Yeah. <sighs> so It would
0: be very hard to, be, to, to ever be optimistic about actually winning yeah. a war on the ground in a country of... But
1: of, our leaders have continually nature. said oh, we're making some good progress.
0: And they made all sorts of promises yeah. about lifting the condition of women and girls, yeah. improving education, all kinds of things, promises yeah. were made. And then, uh, you know, within several years, they were all forgotten yeah. pretty much, weren't they? Yeah. They just walked away from it.
1: Yeah. Alison again in the chat room says, my vibe for Pell is that he will not succeed with his appeal. Okay, Alison, okay. Let's, let's hope. Right. Gentlemen, did you have anything pressing that you wanted to... Throw into the mix before we sign off? No?
2: No, not from me. Right. No. Okay. How's
0: the toilet paper situation in Rockhampton, <laughs> Scott? Yeah, how is it?
2: <laughs> um, there was none when I went out there on Saturday. It yeah. seems to me we are a couple of days behind the fever pitch in
0: Brisbane. When you're saying none, no toilet paper?
2: There was no there was no toilet paper. Yeah, it was all oh. sold out. Try
0: IGA so, is my tip.
2: Well, I just – I wasn't going to – I didn't need any – But I just thought I'd go down for a walk, and I couldn't believe it, that the store had been picked clean of the stuff. It was incredible.
0: Well, Coles and Woolies, my observation, Coles and Woolies have been stripped bare. I went into IGA on Sunday, and there was a a mountain of toilet paper on sale. Right. And and nobody rushing to buy it. Right.
1: Mm. Yeah. Anyway, it's a sad state of affairs when people are told... Don't worry, toilet paper is manufactured in Australia. We have more than enough. Although
0: we lost one truckload in a uh, a fire. Yes. In a fire. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Captain Doomsday, one of our Patreons, uh, senses a conspiracy (laughs) (laughs) because of that. (laughs) So, yeah. Anyway. All right, dear listener. Well, that's it. I think Frank was uh, well-spoken. And maybe we can reach out to other Lord Merrill candidates and see what they've got to say. And... Who knows? Worth but, a try, yeah. Try it, right? it, worth look. The wheels of the Brisbane City Council will march on. The potholes will be filled. Uh, water will run mm. through the pipes, and if Frank's there, all sorts of interesting things will happen as well. So,
2: absolutely,
1: yeah. Righto. We'll talk to you next week. Bye for now. Bye everyone.
2: Thanks for tuning in. Bye now. Yes, Cheryl, my love. What's that you say? What am I doing? Well, I'm listening to the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Well, yes, it, it is a long episode. You know I like a long one. I thought you liked a long one too. What's that you're saying? Our Paleo Crystal Meditation Rebirthing Vegan Couples Counseling Session? Was that today? Oh, I'm sorry, Cheryl. I didn't know. Oh, uh, Cheryl. Oh, stop hitting me, Cheryl. Oh, Cheryl. Cheryl, this isn't how self-flagellation works.
1: Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, First up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time.